Maybe we could try it. Maybe we could break the awkward silence and try it. We would sing it a little like this. Somebody take the cue here. Praise God. Praise God. There we go. And all the happy people would sing, praise God. All the sad people would sing, amen. I didn't sing it. All right, I just, I just lip sing, um, but just praise God. You know, uh, at this time, if there's any kids going down, you can make your way out. We'll transition to the next part. And I just remember singing that a lot. And uh, does anybody remember the song that was produced by, uh, I, hate, I, I won't put the words or the names together, but the, song, the, t- the title of the song was Talking to Jesus. Anybody remember that song, Talking to Jesus? Uh, we sang it at VBS, I think, two years ago or last year, if, if I remember correctly. And I have to admit that this morning, I, I, I was in the shower and I had my, my Sunday morning playlist going and I had my Talking to Jesus song come up. And I can just, I'll just admit to you that I was, I was like all in, in my fields this morning, all right? And I was just praising the Lord. And here's what I was picturing. The song depicts a relationship between a father and a son where the teenager comes in and says, Dad, I, I hate to interrupt you. You must be praying and busy. And he says, no, son, you couldn't have picked a better time. Come over and give it a try. And I have to tell you, I just pictured for a moment my eight-year-old's at that age where she's going to start asking me, hey, Daddy, how... How do, I, how do I grow in this? And then my six-year-old's going to be falling. And I, I couldn't help, but I was just sitting in there, and I was just crying. And, and Michaela was griping that I was singing so loud, and I was just, I was just praising the Lord. And then, and then I was just picturing, man, I can't wait until my eight-year-old knows what it's like to talk to Jesus. And then my six-year-old, and then my three-year-old, and then my eight-month-old. So here's what I want us to do. Wherever you are today... Uh, never stop talking to Jesus. Never stop praying to the Lord. And never stop being imitators of Him. And that's where we're going to end today, being imitators of the Lord. So we've got to get there. So in order to get there, I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And I was so... I was pleasantly surprised a couple of weeks ago whenever I preached what I thought was just going to be a one-time sermon over a lifehood or, a, you know, a childhood lesson that I learned. And, and if you've been following with us, if you've been here over the last two weeks, then you know where we've been. If you haven't been, let me just catch you up to speed. We started this very spontaneous series of childhood lessons that we heard as kids or that we've passed on to our children. And, and these lessons were were things that our parents, you know, repeated over and over and over and things that we repeat to our children and hope that they'll finally listen because, you know, we know it was like not to listen and then find out the hard way that our parents were really a lot smarter than we thought they were. And we didn't know nearly as much as we really thought we did. I was the smartest teenager ever. I was. 
until I became an adult and realized I was the dumbest teenager ever. Um, and I'm trying to prevent my kids from doing that, as you all try to prevent your kids. So, so our first childhood lesson, if you remember, was be careful who your friends are, right? Anybody remember your parents telling you that? Be careful who your friends are. Um, and we use that as a life lesson now for us as adults, because if you and I aren't careful who we allow behind closed doors, doors with us, we'll do two things. They will corrupt our character, and they will choke, choke our calling. So God is calling us or leading us to do things, but if we're not careful, the, the characters that we allow behind closed doors, as the Bible says, that bad character or bad company can corrupt good morals, good character. So bad company. So we don't want to allow bad company to corrupt us of our own character and our own pursuit of righteousness, and we don't want them to choke out what it is that God's calling us to do and choke out the desires that we have to worship Him and praise Him. And the second one, which was last week, second week, the life lesson that I heard as a kid and I've been teaching to my kids, and maybe you've heard this or you've repeated this to your own children, is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And we talked about our tongue last week. And, uh, you know, we did an exercise where uh, we, we wanted to know what weapon it is that we possess and our, our tool that we have and how the weapon or, or the tongue is sometimes the deadliest weapon that you and I will ever carry. And it will destroy relationships in a matter of seconds and it will break hearts and dreams. And, and we did an exercise. So I'm just going to ask anybody bring your weapon to church today. <laughs> So if you weren't here yesterday, um, we did an old exercise similar to what we did in the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, we had this uh, rifleman's creed where we would say, this is my rifle. There are many like it. And I asked everybody to stick out their tongue, and they would repeat with me, this is my weapon, and there are many like it, but this one is mine. And I wanted you to be mindful that that little bitty tongue in your mouth can be, can be deadly. So be careful how you use it. Be mindful how you use it. And if you don't have anything nice to say, maybe it's just best that you don't what, say anything at all. And third life lesson that I remember as a kid that we're going to kind of go into today is found in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 12. And the lifehood lesson that I heard as a kid was treat others as you wish to be treated. Treat others as you wish to be treated. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to examine the words of Jesus because this was not just something that your parents came up with or your grandparents came up with or, or that the school teachers had printed out. You know, we call it what? The golden rule. Found in Matthew chapter 7 and starting in verse 12, Jesus went on to read this. And this is at the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So treat others as you wish to be treated. Do unto others as you wish they would do to you. And it's very similar to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, whenever the Sadducees and the Pharisees had had it with him, you know, every time they would confront him on something or ask him something, he would always give them an answer that they were not looking for. And, and they were always trying to press Jesus into saying something that would, one, contradict the Mosaic law, or two, contradict the governing law of the Romans in that day. That's why Jesus said, hey, this woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, the Mosaic law says she should be stoned to death. What do you say? They wanted to see what Jesus would say. Is he going to contradict the Mosaic law? 
Or is he going to overstep his, his rights and order us to stone this woman, which would actually be an execution. Therefore, he would go against the Roman government and then they could punish him there. So they're always getting fed up with Jesus. Like he's just this pest to these religious, religious elites and they're always pressing him. And if you remember, they asked him, hey, what is the greatest commandment? What is, the, what is the great commandment of the law? If there was only one commandment that we would obey out of all 690 laws or, or you know, commandments in the law, all of, these, all of these regulations and policies, if there was just one, what would that one be? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's, that's it. And then he goes on to say, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as what? Yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Similar to what he said in Matthew chapter 7. So here's what I want to do today. I want to give you three things that you have to offer to other people that will not cost you a thing physically. That, yeah, I mean, you could be nice to people and buy their lunch or invite them over to dinner. Or, you know, there's times where you can dig into your wallet and just throw a little bit of cash towards people. You can feed the homeless. You can do all these things that are great acts of service and, and great deeds. But there's three things that, and they all have a, a common starting point. And I want to look at these three things that you and I have to offer to other people. That regardless of how rich or poor you have these things to offer. And the first one is compassion. Compassion. So we're going to look at compassion, we're going to look at kindness, and we're going to look at value. Compassion, kindness, value. Three things that you have to offer to people that you can give to all people and not have to spend a dollar on it. The first one being compassion. If you remember the story of Jesus, whenever he saw the great multitudes... In Matthew chapter 12 and in Mark chapter 6, he saw the great multitudes of people. And if you remember, the Bible says he had compassion on them. If you remember the stories of Jesus, if you remember the gospel accounts, you remember reading that Jesus saw the great multitudes of people and he had compassion on them. How? In which way? Because he viewed them as lost sheep without a shepherd. And if you read on throughout those gospel accounts, you're going to read that Jesus took his 12 disciples and he did what with them? He sent them out. He sent these 12 disciples out and he started to command them to preach the gospel and to raise people from from death. And he told them to cast out demons and he told them to heal people from sickness. And Jesus had compassion on them. So what is it that compassion really is? Well, if if you want to take my layman terms compassion, and then we'll compare it to the Merriam-Webster compassion. Compassion is simply understanding the needs of other people And if you have the means to meet them, meet them. Understand the needs of other people, the the cries of other people. And if, if there are people that truly have needs that you can meet, you can express compassion and show compassion to them by what? Meeting them. Now, Marian Webster defines compassion as this. Sympathetic consciousness of others distress together with the desire to alleviate it. So understanding what distress it is that people are in. And Jesus had compassion on these people, so what did he do? He saw their need, he saw their distress, and what did he do about it? He met it. 
He met it by sending out his disciples so that they could go and to preach the gospel and to point them to himself. And he saw people who were sick, and what did they do? They healed them. He saw people who were, who were demon-possessed, what did they do? They cast them out. He saw people who were broken, what did they do? They brought them to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords, and they brought him to the one that said, if you are weary or if you are heavy laden, come to me and I will what? I'll give you rest. Whatever it is that you need, I know your need. Therefore, I have compassion upon you, and I will meet your needs. So we have a way to extend compassion. You and I must extend compassion if we truly want to treat others as we wish to be treated. So how is it that you can extend compassion right now? Well, you can look at those around you, those that you love in your home, those that you go to work with, And if they have a need and you can meet it, give them the help that they need. Now, here's what compassion is not. Compassion is not constantly reaching into your pocket to meet the, you know, poor decision-making of other people. If if someone is is taking money and squandering it around or, or, or spending it on worthless things, extending compassion is not constantly extending to enable poor behavior or bad decision-making. If someone is truly broken and needs help, you meet that need by providing them the help in which they need. Maybe not always the help in which they want, but the help in which they need. So where, where does this compassion begin? It, com- it begins just like kindness begins and just like value begins. It begins in your heart. So if you remember last week we talked about the tongue and how we use our mouths sometimes to build people up or break people down. Well, Jesus said, out of the, over, over, out of the abundance of the what? The heart, your mouth speaks. So if you want to have poor speech, or if, or if your speech is poor, and if your mouth is, is constantly bitter, and you're constantly hateful towards people, there is a clear indication in which your heart is broken and maybe corrupted by sin, or it is just living in sinfulness. And similarly to extending out love towards our neighbor, to love them as ourselves, it all begins in the heart. So I don't know about you, but... Sometimes I have those moments in life where I know the needs that I have and why people won't meet them or how people won't meet them. And here's what we want to do. My goal for you is to not find yourself in a woe is me part of life or woe is me. Why isn't everybody tending to my needs? Why don't they hear my, my desires? My goal for you is to leave here recognizing the needs of those around you. And here's what's going to happen. The more needs that you meet for those around you, the more your own needs kind of disappear. Because they always say, whatever you serve people, whenever you help people, you're going to find that the one that's greatest affected or impacted is you. So how is it this week, if you want to truly follow this this life lesson that you heard as a kid, to treat others as you wish to be treated, the first step that you can take is to extend compassion and see the needs of those around you and help meet them. If someone around you is broken and is in need of help, get them help. If someone around you is truly going through a season in which they are, they are desperate, or, or maybe it's for time, or maybe it's for professional help, or maybe it's just for love and presence from you or from someone else, here's what you can do. If you have the means to meet the need to not enable poor behavior or bad decision making, meet it. Just meet it. Out of the kindness of your heart and out of the love that you have for them, meet it. And what my goal is, is that you and I will all leave here being more aware of the people that we live with, the people that we love, the people that we work with, 
what is it that they need and meet it. Secondly is kindness. Second, second thing is kindness, that you and I can offer kindness towards all people. The commandment was what? To love our neighbor as ourself. And if, if we're not careful, we will want to choose who our neighbors are. You know, I want to choose the neighbors that, you know, think like me, that live like me, that, that do things similar to how we do them. I want to make sure that the neighbors that I surround myself with, but here's what I want you to do. If you would just happen to look around here, you can just take a, take a, take a look. Take a look around you. There's your neighbor. Take a look behind you. There's your neighbor. Even Jared is your neighbor. Jared's somebody's neighbor. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of his neighbors. But if you were to just look around. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you go to Walmart tonight or tomorrow or um, maybe you you go to a restaurant, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around there and just take a look. And guess what? There's your neighbor. There's your neighbor. Now, not all of them are you going to interact with, but any single person that you interact with is your neighbor. So your neighbor is the company that sent you the wrong bill. That's your neighbor. Your neighbor is truly the person that posts on Facebook that you completely disagree with, and you just can't wait till they hear how you feel. That's your neighbor. Your neighbor is the person that messages or completely disagrees. Your neighbor is sometimes as hard as it is, is those poli- are those politicians that disagree with everything you stand for. That is your neighbor. Not that you can't disagree or debate or, or politely communicate how you feel or what you stand for, but you and I, just because we disagree with people, never gives us the justification to disrespect people because we are to love our neighbor as what? Ourself. I, I don't want people to hate me. I know people do. That's okay. I know people probably don't like you all the time. There's probably times. And guess what? The other people that are your neighbors are those people that cut you off in traffic. And, and, and they don't need to be reminded that they are number one in your book. All right? Uh, they, they don't need it. I remember yesterday we were driving. I have to admit, I don't always follow this childhood lesson. Because we were in traffic, and um, I dropped Michaela off at Walmart, and I had to run home for something to go to another, another family gathering. And I accidentally, well, <laughs> I didn't accidentally say it. I, I said it not as quiet as I thought. I said, what is this moron in front of me doing? And Aniston, my three-year-old, said, Daddy, who are you talking about? <laughs> and I, I said, man, I don't know who it is, but, uh, and I I had to slow down because I just knew there was probably a chance I would know them. And they were going, you know, 32. And I was trying to get back to get Michaela from Walmart. And I'm like, what are these people doing? And they didn't know where they were from. They had out-of-state plates. And they were probably, you know, just, just visiting or camping or whatever. I'm like, goodness, what are they doing? And my three-year-old had to put me in my place and ask, Daddy, who are you talking about? Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. So that was my neighbor. That's your neighbor. Those people, those people are your neighbor. And I know there's some people visiting from out of town. I don't think it was any of y'all. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was any of y'all. Um, but how is it that you can show kindness? You can show kindness by the way that you communicate to people, but you can also show kindness in the way that you don't communicate about them when they're not around. 
Sometimes it's hard. You can, you can show kindness in the way that you conduct yourself around them, but also the way that you do not keep them in your mouth or in your thoughts when they're not around. We can show kindness to people in the way that we communicate, in the way that we conduct ourselves. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, here, go out of here and, and think, how are you to be more kind? You know, if you remember, Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. If you and I are to truly call ourselves Christ followers, we are Christians, kindness should be present. Bitterness and hatefulness should not be present. I know there's times that we struggle. I know there's times that we are hateful because we're emotionally attached to a particular circumstance and we disagree with this or we disagree with that. And there's times where we might be bitter. There's times we might be short. But you and I ought to be very mindful of the fruit of the Spirit cultivating hearts of kindness in us towards other people. Jesus was surrounded by a bunch of hateful People. Jesus was surrounded by a bunch of good people, but Jesus never, con- he never conducted himself any differently than he would around anyone else. Jesus was always kind, and sometimes that kindness was healing someone of their, of their disease. Sometimes that kindness was rubbing mud on someone's eyes, and sometimes that kindness was flipping tables in a, in a place so that he can remind them of what their true priorities should be. So kindness, kindness, kindness. And where does kindness begin? It begins in your heart. So here's what I pray for you. That you would truly leave here being more aware of the needs of those around you, being compassionate to help meet those needs, but also being kind in the way that you treat them and conduct yourself around them. And lastly, and the one that I really want to hit on, is value. Value. The value in which you put on those around you. To truly love yourself as, your na- as yourself. To truly love your neighbor as yourself. To truly treat others as you wish to be treated. You and I must be mindful of the value that we give to other people. One of the commentaries I read a lot to make sure that I'm not interpreting things poorly is the Matthew Henry Bible Commentary. Matthew Henry put together a commentary from Genesis through Acts and then after he passed away through the notes of his listeners and through other pastoral um, you know, mentors, they put together the rest of his full Bible commentary, in which you can read completely free, and it's fully present to you. Matthew Henry Bible commentary. And what I do is I like to refer to that before I preach on something because I want to make sure that I'm not misunderstanding the scripture, and I want to make sure that I'm not preaching it in a, in a way that would contradict God's word. And not that he knows everything about everything of the scripture, but he is a great resource for our time. And, and Matthew Henry wrote in his commentary about the way that you and I can truly treat others as we wish to be treated, do unto others as we wish they would do to us, is to understand the value that they have. Because understanding the value that other people have, all people have, is to also not exalt ourselves above them as someone that is more valuable, more important, or more worthy of the cross of Christ. So there's a few things that you and I all share. If you were to walk, there's a cemetery right outside here. If you were to walk around the cemetery, there's a couple of things that you're going to find. One, headstones look differently. They might be more decorative than others. They might be more plain than others. But there's going to be a lot of commonalities in the cemetery. One has a birth date and one has a death date. Each and every person, regardless if they were rich 
or poor. And they all end up, as you and I will, unless Jesus comes back before we pass, you and I will also find on our headstone, people will visit our grave site one day and they will see on our headstone, birth date, death date, and you and I, regardless of how much richer you are or poorer than I am, regardless of how much more popularity you have than I have, regardless of how much more productive you are in society than I am, you and I will all find ourselves six feet below. So why do I say that? Because if you and I aren't careful, we will actually give a little more value to our lives than the lives of those around us. But like when we look at Jesus, he understood that each and every person was of the same value. What was that value? That value was to carry a cross that he did not deserve for broken people like you and me. And then what did he do? He saw the same value in you as he did in me, as he did in your grandparents, and as he will in your grandchildren. The same value was to pour out his blood on a cross and then be buried in a tomb so that on the third day he would, he would what? Rise. Did he do it for you more than he did for them? Did he do it for me more than he did for you? No, we are all recipients of the same value of Christ. Full. He fully offered. And the, uh, the other thing that, you know, it took me a little while to understand this, is that every single person Jesus died for was a sinner. Every single person that Jesus died for was broken. Every single person that Jesus died for would never live to the standard of himself. So Jesus being 100% God was also 100% man. Never do I read the scriptures of him going around boasting about how much better he was than other people. So, so if you and I want to truly treat our neighbors as we want them to treat ourselves, if we want to truly love our neighbors as ourselves, if we want to truly do unto others as we wish they would do to us, what does it look like? We must live more like Jesus. We must be more Im- a greater imitator of Jesus because Jesus being 100% God, 100% man, the Savior of the world who lived a perfect life without sin, never goes around boasting about how much better he was than anyone else. Jesus could have struck down every single person that disagreed with him, but what did he do? He actually killed himself on a cross, gave himself up on a cross. Jesus could have went around and said, look, I'm dying for these people over here, and all of you can go over here, but what did he do? He still offered himself for the people that still reject him today. So the free gift of God is what? Eternal life found in whom? Christ Jesus. It is offered for every single person that is walking this earth. The people that reject him, the people that persecute him, are the same people that Jesus died for just as much as he did for you and me. So what I want you to do is, I don't want you to put more value on you than you really are. Because if we aren't careful, we will look at other people as if, well, they're not as smart as I am. They're not as educated as I am. They're not as wealthy as I am. They're not as productive as I am. And what we will do is we will actually exalt ourselves above other people. And never, never do we see Jesus doing that other than we know that one day he will. One day on that day of judgment, he will rightfully put himself in proper place and cast everyone else to their proper destination in hell as he will tell the devil that enough is enough and your time is over. Go back to where you, where you really belong. But if we really want to treat others as we wish they would treat us, if we really want to fulfill this commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves, we just simply must look at who Jesus was. 
you and I must live like Jesus. There's a song that's pretty new that says, a little less of me and more of who? Jesus. A lot less of me and more of him. And it all begins in the exact same spot. Your heart. My heart. So if in my heart, I'm better than, smarter than, more important than, then it'll, it'll be seen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but also out of the abundance of our heart, our actions are, are carried over, carried through. So if you're here today and you're like, well, I just don't know how to love my neighbors, just imitate Jesus. Well, I don't know what Jesus looked like. Read, read this. You, you got four whole gospel accounts that just literally give you the account of who Jesus was and how he lived. Jesus was one that was willing to spend time with people who were broken and then also people who were put together and, and the elites. Jesus was willing to, to sacrifice his time to be with those who were poor, but also spend time with those who were rich. Jesus was one that was able to give himself up on a cross for those who would put it all together and tuck in their shirts and fix their hair, but he was also willing to put it together for people who would never truly understand just what it was that he would endure for them. So if you want to truly treat your neighbor as yourself and love your neighbor as yourself, we have to start with ensuring that our heart is one that is desiring Christ, that my life is one that is to imitate who Jesus is. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to know, just as every other person in this place should know, that Jesus came for you, to redeem you, to save you, and then to use you. To use you as his people, as his vessels, to share the gospel, and to be the hands and feet. And there's, there's something I keep thinking about. And what I keep thinking about is this, and I want to end with this. Jesus said there was going to be one way that the world would know his disciples were truly his disciples. I just kept thinking about it, and I couldn't remember what the answer was. Do you remember? He said that they're going to know you're my disciples if you what? In the way that you what? Love one another. In the way that you love one another. So how is it that we truly love one another? Well, we extend compassion to people who are broken. We extend compassion to people who they may not even know what it is that they need, but we know what it is that they need. Therefore, we're going to meet the needs that they have because we have the means to. So, so we extend compassion. We're kind to people that aren't always kind to us or people that don't always deserve the kindness that we have to offer. But what we're going to do is because we know what it is that they have, that what, what they need, and we have it, and the love that we possess for Christ is going to be carried out in the way we conduct ourselves with others. We're going to love them. And then lastly, we're going to see the value of each and every person around us. Because those people that have yet to receive salvation in Christ are just as much of on his mind 2,000 years ago as you were. And my life, just because I'm a pastor, 
is no more valuable than those who have yet to come to him. So if I want to truly love you, if I want to truly love my neighbor, then I have to, possess, or I have to put the, the right amount of value on them. And that value was that Jesus came to die for. So here's how you do. You love them, you pray for them, you preach to them. And as we discussed in Sunday school, God does not need your help judging them or sentencing them to their rightful punishment or welcoming home party. So my prayer for us all is that we would truly treat others as we wish to be treated, to be clear followers of Jesus, and they would be able to tell just as they, just as they could in Jesus' time by the way that we what? Love one another. And here's what I want to give you a preview of the next two Sundays. Next two Sundays, things that we've taught, taught our kids, things that you, you remember hearing. So next Sunday we might discuss, or the following, I don't know, sharing is caring. Anybody remember hearing that? Sharing is caring. And then lastly, maybe my most exciting one to preach is, because it's my favorite one to tell my kids, you don't always get what you want. (laughs) You don't always get what you want. I can't wait to preach that. I might just preach that the rest of the year. Uh, You don't always get what you want. But for now, treat others as you wish to be treated. So how can you leave here today listening to this old lesson that you remember hearing at six years old, five years old, and then still applying it to your life today? You apply it and you listen to it by loving one another, by giving and extending compassion, kindness, and value to those around you. Let's pray.